0: I'm Kate Daniels. Patty Pobletti suffered the unthinkable, the loss of her son, to gun violence. A young man with great potential, senselessly shot. It's a story we're hearing too often. Patty has done something remarkable. First, she embarked on a journey, which was her healing journey, and then, using her journalistic talent, wrote a phenomenal book, A Better Place, a memoir of peace in the face of tragedy, and we are privileged to have Patty join us this morning to share some insights. Patty Poblete, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning.
1: Oh, good morning to you.
0: And I am so grateful for you, and to you for having such such courage and such strength to overcome. Uh, well. I don't know. Is overcome actually the right word yet, or does that ever work? Overcoming?
1: Yeah, there's there's just words that you don't. There are really no words. You don't feel like you overcome. You never really feel like you heal. You find a way to to um to deal with it and to accept what's happened. And, And you know, for some people, which is what I've chosen, is to turn that grief into purpose, which is what I'm trying to do.
0: And you've said a very key word: chosen. Mm -hmm. Choice seems to be uh, such a critical word for any of us, I guess, most of the time or all of the time. But in in this case, uh, when when you have a tragic murder, a, a violent gun action taken and your son is taken from you, you know, have... Only choice comes into play as to how you move forward day by day, step by step, even.
1: but that's right, you know, and uh, but it takes a while, and there's no prescription to how to do it, and and it took maybe nearly two years of me. I had really bad PTSD and depression and anxiety. I would I would suffer really bad panic attacks. Um, and it, and it took a while for me to go through that until one day I just decided that I was going to turn it around, mostly because I have a daughter and, and she had already lost her brother and I didn't want her to lose her mother. So I had to find a way to climb out of that. And, um, and I was fortunate that I was able to do that. It's not easy, you know, and I wouldn't blame anyone who remained down because, you know, that was my only son. And um, for many people, unfortunately, there are Many people like me now in the country have lost their children to gun violence. Um, it's it's a difficult, difficult thing. And, and the main thing is to still find your purpose in life. And for me, that was my daughter. And for me, that was to do my part in reducing gun violence in my son's name.
0: And. You have used your talent as a writer, as a journalist, to such good work here in writing this book about your experiences, a better place, a memoir of peace in the face of tragedy. And while it's not a prescription, I think it's still, for any of us, even if we've not been directly affected, we're all definitely impacted, I, mm-hmm. I feel. And and you're giving us an opportunity to look at ways to heal with all of the violence that goes on around us and w- w- just with things in our daily life, I feel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was important to um, to be as honest and as raw as I could be in terms of sharing that what I felt after. You know, what, what we read in the newspaper a lot is man shot and killed, and then that's it. You don't think about the ripple effect on the survivors and that person's neighborhood and then the community and then the city as a whole. You don't really think about the ripple effect. And that was my purpose was to kind of pull the curtain back and say, there's you know the day after the shooting um there's a whole there are lives that need to be rebuilt and lives that are shattered and um and everyone there is there is merit in sharing our pain i believe because too often people are um they don't want to share that pain and our society is uncomfortable with that kind of pain which is what i experienced and so i thought it was really important to be as honest and raw in my story so that Others like me understand, and others not like me who don't know what to say and um, don't know what to do can can empathize with a person going through what I went through.
0: And yes, yes to all of that. It's it is uh, raw is definitely the way it comes across. And even though that's it, and it would I dissolve in tears so much at the time, I still feel Patty that this is such an important book, that each and every one of us will find great value for whatever is going on in our lives. And as I, I've said, and I think you're alluding to that, too, is that all of us, there's that ripple effect. All of us are touched by this violence.
1: Yes, that's right. You know, when I looked at when, when the arrests were made in my son's case, which wasn't a, a, until a year after he was killed, I remember looking up their names, um... And just seeing that each of them had not, I think three of the four of them had long histories of, uh, of trouble with the law since they were very young. And I remember thinking, um, you know, the, they must have faced a lot of challenges growing up. And because of what they were suffering, which was unknown to me, I never knew these people. But because they were suffering in their own life, it, it trickled over to my life and it took my son's life and it affected us and that realization that okay now what i do with that pain is going to have a ripple effect on other people too if i um if i choose to react with hate then that's what i'm going to put out but i could break that pattern and i can turn it into something positive and affect people's lives in that way and in that sense everything we do has a ripple effect far beyond what we can comprehend and that that's like a big um learning for me during this whole experience
0: and of course, some of that learning, not some, uh, you were directed really as though Robbie were reaching across from the other side, we'll say, mm-hmm. to direct, to find a way to proceed on this path of healing.
1: Yes. And that was something, and I, I write about this in the book. I was raised Catholic, but I really suffered a crisis in faith and a crisis in hum- humanity. Sorry. And, um because when people don't know what to say and they want to comfort you, the first thing is, you know, He's with God, or this is what God wanted, this is God's plan. And it made me really angry to think that that, if that was real or not, um, if there were a God, why would He do this, and how could this be His plan? So, you know, there was just such a crisis of faith, and I had to... um, had to understand that that was their way of of trying to comfort me and try to empathize with them, too, trying to comfort me.
0: And there's such beauty, though, in the way that you began to make that discovery. And it's a, a talent of yours, I think, in weaving the story, the life, of how Robbie was and how he still had messages that... in in his room, with his books that he read, the way that he lived his life just came trickling back to you to help you along the way.
1: Yeah, I I thought it was important to, well, first of all, there's a lot of emotion in this book, and it can get, I, I was very conscious of the chapters that were especially heavy. For example, when we got the call that he was killed or, um, when we uh, When we got the call that the the suspects were arrested i I knew when I was writing um what would be emotionally exhausting for the reader and so I thought it was important to weave in there who Robbie was and to have these flashbacks of when he was growing up and so that by the time um the reader was done with the book they felt like they knew him and it could be anyone's son and so i it is a heavy book but i tried to weave that in weave in the light with the darkness and um and the heaviness so that the reader could come away with the whole experience because when you're going through grief that's the way the book reads is the way the way my emotions were i could when i wrote that i was having a panic attack i was having a panic attack while i was writing that chapter um And then I'll wake up one day and I'll remember a sweet memory of my son. And that's how I wanted the story to read, because that's what grief is like. That's what trauma is like. You go in and out, you know, from pleasant memories to um, shock and horror, realizing all over again what happened.
0: So in that way, and as you write this, while it's not a prescription, as you say, there still are things that I think we can find that may really fill a niche within ourselves that may be that little bit of a map direction to say, oh, maybe I can try this, and because that kind of resonates for me right now.
1: Right. And what I wanted the reader to come away with, no one, there are... Um, Unfortunately there are a lot of people like me but there are, it, but we are not the majority in terms of parents who've lost their children but no one gets through life without suffering some kind of pain some kind of trauma and um whether you've lost a child or not there is some kind of suffering that you will experience so i wanted this book to point out that you can be at the at the lowest of the low you know at a point where you think you'll never come back and there's still a way out and for me, and you have to find what that, what that reason is to get out of bed. And initially for me it was my daughter, um, but I couldn't make it all about her because that's too much pressure on her to live her life just for me and, and vice versa. So I tried to f- um, find healing in other ways, and, and it was gardening. You know, gardening is what touched my heart initially. Surprisingly, watching basketball just because there was so much positive energy um, in the room that I needed to be reminded that we as humans can still cheer for one another and show that kind of love um, to one another. And that brought me back. And for everyone else, they just have to find what that purpose is that through the arts, through um, connecting with other human beings, uh, something positive that can kind of bend that pain into something positive that will affect other people.
0: And, you honored the time that you needed to to grieve, and I feel that's something all of us need to take that time for. It's going to vary, of course, based on individuals, but if we don't take that time to feel that pain, it just gets locked somewhere inside of ourselves, doesn't it?
1: I agree completely, and... um and we are pressured. We are pressured by the people around us, whether they understand it or not, to get over it. And thats I never understood that before then. How could I? And I, rem- I, and I would think back to things that I had said to people who were suffering, and I would say the same things. Oh, don't cry. You know, it'll be better. Don't cry. And, and I, rem- I read something. It was Mr. Rogers, actually, who said when people say, don't cry, what they're really saying is, I am uncomfortable. Please stop crying. It's about the other person. It's not about you. And it's better really just to sit and and put your arm around that person and say, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel that way. I'm here. Um, Because you're right. You know, a lot of people will try to suppress that pain and move on with their life and go right back to work. But it's still there and it's unhealthy. And until it's dealt with, um, it'll always live there and manifest itself in, in a negative way.
0: And for you, I think that's so critical for all of us to hear it and understand is, and there's no rushing through it. It's needing to experience it in the moment. You had a, a, a close friend who was there to let you just have the emotion and not, and just be there to be present for you.
1: Right. There were a few of them, uh, and but at the same time, there were people who I thought, oh, they would be there for me no matter what, and they were the ones who turned away. And there, a lot of my relationships were impacted by um, my, by my son's killing because it was so it was so tragic and it was so jarring. And I suffered. Um, I was a different person, and I'm still a different person. I always will be now. And some people don't know how to handle that. They just don't know what to say. And. And another thing is when people see me, it's it's a reminder of, that anything can happen at any time, and it's uncomfortable. And so long relationships that I had dissolved, I didn't see them again. And new relationships came up, people that never even knew my son who came forward and said, how can I help? And that's been a, a learning experience as well.
0: And. And all of that, the stories are recounted uh, so honestly, so openly. And that's where, again, I feel this book that you have written for us, A Better Place, or written for yourself, but written for us really too, uh, Patty, A Better Place, helps us to to just gain understanding about life. And maybe we'll, we'll learn how to really react to each other when tragedies occur and even when it's a a death because it's natural even that can stumble we can stumble it will help us with that
1: yes that's the hope um because i really i was hurt a lot by things that people said and and how they reacted or didn't react and i was hoping that um that by writing this book, it would allow people to, to empathize a little more and understand why things would be offensive or insensitive, even though the intention was not. Uh, there were a lot of things that were said to me during the course, but I remember what helped me the most was when people would just say, um, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Something as simple as that meant the world to me. Rather than, um, and I think where people go wrong, and I have gone wrong in the past, um, is when they try to justify it, you know, when they try to um, justify it through religion or whatever. And I remember seeking these different, and and I write about this in the book, I remember seeking answers from um, religious experts, you know, why could this happen? How could this happen? He was a good boy. And how could this happen to our family? And the answers were all they, they never sat well with me. And then I realized there is no answer. And I'm only asking another human being, they don't have the answers either. And um, so it's not, there is no justification when something like this happens. It's just how am I going to move forward? And that's what we need to ask ourselves.
0: And again, that's where the gift of this book, a better place, uh, gives us so much insight and and helps us. Uh, th- there's a healing that we can experience, and I think in the process, you likely found that there was a level of healing that went on for you. Mm-hmm.
1: There, was, it was very cathartic, but um, but I had to. I had to go back. I had to crawl back in that skin, you know, from the Mm -hmm. day we got the call that my son was shot. And like I said, when I'm writing a chapter saying, and I suffered a panic attack, I was literally suffering a panic attack while I was writing that because I wanted to completely put myself back into that mindset just because I didn't think it would do any service to sugarcoat um, the feelings that I was experiencing. And the healing came, but I, I almost had to kind of pick my emotional scabs while I was doing it. I had to revisit, and I had to go through the pain again and walk through the fire again um, to be able to let the, le- the readers f- truly understand what it feels like to go through that. And then uh, as, I go, and as I went through the chapters, that's when the healing began. And I think you can see the difference in the tone from page one to the very last page. There's an evolution yes. as I'm writing. And it was very healing.
0: And there's that gift for us as well, is to see there's the evolution. There's, you know, the timeline, of course, is going to be different for every individual. Mm-hmm. And it feels as though you gave yourself that time, that mm-hmm. you didn't rush that, you know, and have to perform to someone else's timeline, uh, that it it was an internal thing going on for you.
1: Right. Um well, you know, a lot of people were saying it's been a year now, or it's been a, it's been a couple of years now, and you should you should do this. You should start going to the gym again, and you should do this. That that's um, again, even though the intention is good, that's something that shouldn't be. <laughs> people should be patient with other people's pain, is what I want to say, mm-hmm. because it will be different for everyone, and and yes, it will be unique to everyone, and I know that it was frightening for my, my loved ones to see me just collapsed in the bed um, for t- 24 hours, not wanting to get up at all. But it has to be done. And, you know, um, you have to give that person the space and the support and the freedom to be able to grieve in their own way. Uh, but I look back now and I know that my mother, uh, my cousins, my brother, they were afraid for me because they thought, well, if we let her continue, she might not ever come back. But, you know, we are stronger than we realize our hearts and our minds. And um, once we allow ourselves to suffer that pain, I think we can surprise ourselves by how resilient we are.
0: And in your case, you knew, too, that what Robbie wanted for you was to live your life and in living it, you're, you're also now embracing it in such a way that it did of course, he's always present and you have this wonderful uh, foundation that you've created in his memory.
1: Right. Yeah. I, um, well, I, I, I would just hear his voice sometimes. And, and, you know, of course he was my son, he was here for 23 years. So I know his personality. I know how he would react during certain times and what he would say to me. And, and i just knew that he wouldn't want me that way and um and one of the last conversations we had i was talking about my job at the time was to work with national governments on their environmental policy so i was traveling a lot for that and i remember him saying um, i'm so he said something to the effect that you're cha- you're changing the world and i remember when he said that i thought oh what an overstatement but it feels good to have your child be proud of you and I just thought, well, what can I do to really help change the world for him? Because that's how he saw me. And I just wanted to make that a reality for him. And, and I started the Robbie Pobletti Foundation with the mission of reducing gun violence. But, um, but not just ending there. What we do is we have gun buybacks so that, um, to prevent these unwanted firearms from falling into the wrong hands. And then we take the decommissioned firearms, the deconstructed firearms, and we redistribute them to artists throughout the, um, the state initially, and now it's it's ha- spreading uh, around the country. And they turn those pieces of um, weapons into pieces of art. And we just unveiled the first, it's called the Art of Peace, we just unveiled the first exhibit on May 11, and hundreds of people came, and people were in tears to see these instruments of, of destruction just turned into these beautiful pieces of art that have the message of peace. And that's the second component of our foundation. The third one, because Robbie was learning how to weld at the time he was killed, is a vocational program where I actually work with ex-convicts and at-risk populations to put them in paid apprenticeship so that they could learn a job skill and have a steady source of income as a means of reducing crime. So, That's the foundation, and it only came about through the writing of the book. Uh, Again, that was part of the evolution is what can I do to honor him and make a difference at the same time, and that's also where the title came because when Robbie was killed, I, I just kept hearing the same thing. Oh, don't cry. He's in a better place. He's in a better place. Well, I just thought, why don't we create a better place while we're here? why don't we do everything we can while we're here to create a better place for the people around us and for ourselves and for future generations. And I hope that's what I'm doing through the foundation.
0: You know, it, it's so beautiful. Uh, I, and I could feel with the way that you share about Robbie, that he would be so proud that he's smiling at, at seeing what has been created uh, out of something that was just so horrific?
1: I hope so. I hope he's proud. I hope my daughter's proud. You know, this—it's hard for a parent, you know, to um, to try to live up to our children's expectations and and what we um, we want them to be proud of us. And it's hard when you have one child who's no longer here and one child who's who is still physically here, and you try to still be a mother to both. And I—I I think this foundation and everything I'm doing. Hopefully, makes both of them proud of me.
0: It certainly appears to be that way, and it sounds like it, Patty. That you know that you're you're being as proactive as anyone could possibly be.
1: Yeah, and it could be overwhelming. You know, there was just that the news of the mass shooting at the school in Texas too, mm-hmm. and. I remember for the two years that I was um, kind of in seclusion in my home, and I I would watch these news stories over and over, not just the mass shootings, because we have to keep in mind all the individual shootings that are happening that don't get news coverage. And I always say if you look at the number of people who are killed on a daily basis, it is a mass shooting in its totality every single day. And I remember thinking, well, what – what am I supposed to do to combat that? It's just so overwhelming. You know, if if these young children in Sandy Hook didn't make a difference, nothing will. You know, my 23-year-old son in this a suburban city, it's not going to make a difference. And I just came to the realization that you have to look at the difference you can make within your circles, within your communities, because Again, that comes back to the ripple effect. What we do in our neighborhoods will have a ripple effect in our cities and our counties and our states. And you can't look at it as if I can't make a difference. It's too big. It's too much. We can make a difference in where we are. And from there, there will be positive changes. We just have to try our best.
0: You know, that's, that's so... What it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. Each of us does it. I I see with what you're doing, it just unfolds. We can learn that lesson. Just take a step and Mm -hmm. what needs to happen next unfolds. And what you are doing to me feels really huge, Mm -hmm. but it didn't happen because you dreamt, okay, this is what it's going to be. It unfolded.
1: It did. I, I wrote the, it started with the book, And I remember I was coming to the second to the last chapter. And by that point, I still hadn't returned to the city where my son was killed. And the city of Vallejo, where I actually spent um, more than 30 years of my life, and I I couldn't bring myself to go back because I I felt such trauma every time I would head down that same highway where we were driving to go to the crime scene. And I was nearing the end of the book, and and I was... um, I was saying I still haven't returned because it reminds me of the tragedy. And and just as I was writing, I put, but what if I was returning for hope and not tragedy? What if I was returning to help the community? Then I would have a purpose to go there and that's when it all came together and after writing that book i started laying out a three-year plan and for what i envisioned for this foundation and the first year was just about meeting with um, stakeholders in the community and kind of getting their buy-in about what i wanted to do that was the first year was getting community support and then the second year of my plan was then i will partner with local law enforcement and put to raise enough money and do a gun buyback and collect as many firearms as possible if, if, you know, that was my pie-in-the-sky dream, and by the end of the year, we would see if we could repurpose that and maybe get a few artists, you know, to agree to re- transform them. And then by year three, I remember writing down, launch vocational program, um, get some people into the trades uh, and ex-convicts and um, at-risk youth, so forth. And then if the, the model was successful, I would try to scale it to other counties, Well, what happened, like you said, unfolded. I started the foundation, and everything I planned in the three-year plan and beyond happened within 10 months, all of it. And that to me was, and it's, it's continuing to expand as we speak. And that to me was just, um, I understood it was much larger than myself. And I had almost created this forum now for people to um, express themselves and, and to take action with, you know, using their frustration with what's happening now and and to turn it into action. And it's just grown (laughs) faster and um, deeper than I ever expected.
0: Oh, it that is incredibly beautiful and just so inspiring. Let's mention the the website uh, for the foundation, please, Patty.
1: Sure. Yes. Um, all the information is there. It's it's Robbie R O B B Y Poblete P O B L E T E Foundation dot org. And there's information there on the three programs I just mentioned, how to help, um, events coming up. Everything is is there on the website. And all the news coverage that we've been given, which has been amazing, is on there, too.
0: Because out of tragedy, we have all this hope and uplifting part of what happened. Uh, It's just so incredible. And the book is now available all of us can get our own copy, and I'm going to reiterate that it is so critical, I feel, for any of us to find healing in any aspect of our life, but really to see how we are all affected by this violence that goes on, and to be then part of what of this change. Being that change in the world is what Robbie has been doing. <sighs>
1: Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, my hope is that, uh, especially now with all the national discourse on gun violence, that that this book can just be part of that change and inspiration and hope to take action and allow us to face the impacts of gun violence, which is the grief and the trauma and the depression and then this disillusionment that we have to find a way to work through and um, bring something positive out of it.
0: I am just so in awe of you, Patty Pablete, and I just appreciate so greatly that you have used everything within you to put forward this important book, and I also thank you so greatly for taking time with us this morning. It's been such a gift to have this conversation with you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you for um, inviting me to come and, and for your thoughtful questions.
0: You're so welcome.